Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's do it. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to another Victory Monday edition of the Out of Structure Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I'm Matt Stagner, as always, joined by RKJ. Ron, you were at the game yesterday. How are you feeling? I'm feeling better than the, like, thousands of Cowboys fans around me, I'll tell you that much. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was still a great crowd performance, still a great Arrowhead game. Um, I, I think the crowd, you know, caused a few false starts, and, you know, I'll, I'll take some credit for that, but... uh you know, we got to stop letting all these opposing fans into Arrowhead. It is it is a little annoying sometimes, but it was it, at the same time it's fun to see them all kind of pout and and walk out with their tag their tails between their legs uh, after a a beatdown, which was what happened yesterday. Stags. You know, everybody expected this to be a big shootout, um, but the result, the nineteen to nine victory, the story of the day is going to be the dominance of the Chiefs' defense. But we'll just, let's just get right into a couple takeaways here. Some of the things that I noticed that's surprising from this game. We talked about again the expectation that this is two of the team, two of the league's best offenses going against each other. And what do you end up with? A game where no quarterback throws for a touchdown pass. So that we didn't see coming. Uh, certainly not on on the Chiefs side, but but uh, definitely expected the Cowboys to get loose for one or two touchdowns. Yeah, and and there were some opportunities. You know, I, I do think the Cowboys didn't really play their best game. They're obviously we got to acknowledge they were missing Amari Cooper. Their number one wide receiver. Crazy enough, that was the first time he's missed a game since he was traded to Dallas two and a half years ago. I thought that was mind-blowing, considered how banged up he tends to be. Missing Tyron Smith for the third time in three weeks. And then also CeeDee Lamb goes out at halftime. You had you know players like Cedric Wilson dropping passes. Their other, I, I think his last name's Brown, dropping passes. I mean, the Cowboys could have played a better game uh, for sure, but uh, I, I think the Chiefs get a lot of credit too because uh, you know holding down a guy that – a lot of people, a lot of people I respect nationally, were comparing Dak Prescott to Peyton Manning this year, and I and it, it was a reasonable comparison with how well he was doing pre-snap, how well you know he was he was uh, dissecting the defense, the coverages, kind of how well he was doing against the blitz, that kind of stuff, and the Chiefs just didn't even allow him to score a touchdown. I mean that's almost mind blowing, and and imagine telling your telling a Chiefs fan that a month ago that a defense the defense would not allow Dak Prescott to throw a touchdown in a game. It's been a pretty remarkable turnaround on the defensive side of the ball. I know you've got a lot more there, a lot more takes about the defense, but uh, another quick takeaway I noticed and and things that I was a little bit, maybe a little bit concerned about. uh, First of all, let me just get this out of the way. The taunting rule, the NFL taunting rule is one of the (laughs) dumbest things I've seen in professional sports in a long time. You take something that's completely not broken uh, and, and you attempt to fix it by implementing this ridiculous rule where Clyde Edwards-Hilaire gets gets a penalty for, for pointing at a guy on the way to the end zone. And then, as you pointed out, the NFL likes to use that piece of video to promote the game. So they're clearly not super upset about it or not worried about the children seeing it. But that rule is ridiculous. So let me just get that out of the way. 
But for pros and cons here, what I noticed from the Chiefs yesterday is they were playing with a ton of fire, especially on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and they were having a ridiculous amount of fun. And you'll see the highlights, the videos of them dancing later on in the game. Uh, you saw after that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire touchdown, there was a, a group of guys around. It was it Eric Bieniemy where they were uh, doing a little dance on the sideline there. This team is having fun again, uh, and that bodes really, really well for how they're going to finish out this season. Uh, but there were a few bonehead moments within this game. I'm not worried about Clyde's uh, penalty, although he should have known better. But pretty dumb for Trey Smith to get a, a taunting call, and Rashad Fenton was probably uh, really went, went way over the line. Uh, I could see why he was upset, but you know he, he certainly uh, lost his head a little bit there, getting another taunting call. You don't want to see that kind of thing come back and haunt you. It did kill Trey Smith. Did kill a drive. You could easily see those types of plays snowballing. Luckily, it didn't this week, but we worried about this team being undisciplined, and I think that was an example from today uh, where you can say they, there's still a little bit of that going on. No, I'm glad I'm glad you pointed that out, Stacks, because it is worth mentioning, like you just said, like that could have you know made an impact on maybe a loss uh, potentially. You know, some of the, the Trey Smith stuff completely killed the drive on one, you know, one basically, you know, him just getting upset about a holding call. Um but I I I want to I want to you know push back on you know I, I maybe I'm not pushing back on anything you're saying but I think it kind of goes into what we heard from Mahomes last week in terms of I got my swagger back we heard Kelsey say it we heard Chris Jones say it I think this was kind of a way for them to like kind of show themselves or feel themselves that they got their swagger back in a regular season game and going into the bye week on a four game winning streak kind of just that relief of like we are like who we think we can be we're beating one of the best teams in the NFL. I think that was just that like kind of confidence kind of overflowing maybe a little bit. But what I like about it is it's happening now. I think Andy Reid in a bye week, you know, he's going to say he's, we're, they're going to get in business mode after this bye week. That's that's what I believe will happen. I think we're not going to see that kind of the same sort of, you know, because you could maybe say that, you know, some of the stuff was a little reckless because I think it's almost it's almost like you're not paying attention if you don't understand that you can't point right now. Like you're going to get a penalty if you point like Clyde. Like that's that's just a brain fart. Like it, there's no if ands or buts about it fenton i mean you know you're going to get a penalty if you do that so it's almost like it almost is a little reckless but i think we don't see that after the bye i think this team goes into business mode in this bye week and comes out the, the last stretch of the season and like i don't think if the if it's the same situation against the broncos after the bye i don't think we're you're seeing them in a group dance on the sideline in that same situation i don't think that's happening after the bye i think this was the game for it but i think they're business mode after the bye but we'll see i mean i could be wrong this was a monster game and one of those games that we had probably earmarked prior to the season as a potential loss. And especially with the way the season has gone, you don't, you didn't expect them to win this game necessarily. You hope that they could, but you didn't expect them to. And I think this team was really up for this game. They really played to their competition. There was a lot of enthusiasm. There was a lot of passion, a lot of fire there. Uh, so, so maybe you're right. Maybe there's some of that was just a, you know, a big sigh of relief to say, all right, we're out of the woods now. We're we're you know a couple of games above 500 instead of just being right around there. You know we're we've really progressed to the point of the season where we should have been all along, and we're starting to play like the team we thought we could be, even though the offense still has a ways to go. And, and I think that's probably a, a both a positive and a negative to take from this game as well is that the offense is still not hitting on all cylinders. 
and they're doing plenty to to beat a team like Dallas. And they did plenty last week, obviously, to, to beat the Raiders in blowout fashion. And so if your defense can carry you sometimes, I think that's a really, really good sign for the for the rest of the season. Well, yeah, speaking of defense, you talked about playing like you kind of, you know, you kind of expected them to maybe before. Um, we we all got pretty excited about this defense going into the regular season. We all kind of, I mean, me especially, I went on 610 with C Dot. Shout out C Dot for for allowing me to be on the drive. And I said that this was going to be the best defense in the Steve Spagnolo era. It just the defensive line, it was so de- deep and there was so much talent, you know, at the top end as well. When you talk about a Jaron Reed coming into the fold. You know, we, we, I was excited about the young linebacker group. I, I thought Sneed was going to take a step like we're seeing now. And it just didn't happen at the first part of the season. But this is what we kind of all thought was going to happen, right? I mean, this defense, we're seeing the playmakers that we all got excited about in, the, in training camp making the plays. And I don't know, Stags, we can go kind of uh, choose your own adventure here because I could go on. I am so excited about a few players on this defense. Um, there's cornerbacks that I could talk about. There's there's a a very uh, a large man in the middle I could talk about. I'm gonna let you choose, Stags. Who do you want to uh, jump off with on the defense and kind of start just uh, celebrating in in word form? You know it is tough. I, I did the winners and losers piece on Arrowhead Pride yesterday, and the the challenging part was narrowing down the list of winners from this Chiefs defense, which has not always been the case. Um, and so, you know, it, it was difficult to narrow down. I think this game. There's two guys that really shined above all, uh, Legereus Sneed and Chris Jones. So uh, feel free to, to kick it off with either one of those. Oh, so you didn't pick. Okay. You you, you put it back to me. All right. Let, let's go with Legereus, right? Because first of all, shout out Sam McDowell, the Kansas City star. That was a great piece on kind of his his family history and kind of his mentality as a as a professional athlete right now. I thought that was a really cool story. If you haven't read it, check it out at the, the KC Star. And it was kind of fitting that 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 came out and kind of in this stretch of, of play where all of a sudden the last few games Sneed's looking like the all pro kind of talent that we talked about before the season that we kind of thought he could be. Because last year, obviously, as a rookie, I mean, the dude could have been maybe an all pro as a rookie um, if he played all year. Obviously, he was hurt. And, and that didn't really it didn't seem like it was carrying into the season that much. He wasn't really making plays at the beginning of the year. He was still a sound player, obviously. But now he is all over the field. I mean. Good God, being at the game, he moves at a different speed, a different just level of quickness explosion than any other player on the field. I mean, when you're talking about the, those quick screens where before the receiver can even think about going upfield, Snead is just throwing him to the ground. You're talking about on those third and shorts where uh, another quick screen, I guess, but now he's getting blocked, just throws the receiver to the side and makes the tackle at the line of scrimmage. I mean, and, and then you're talking about there was another play too to uh, Michael Gallup over the middle is kind of a contested catch. Man, Sneed just pile drives him to the ground to, to force the incompletion. I mean, this dude is is playing. I, 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 Sam Madison actually said it last week. He called him a warrior pretty much. And that's that's how he plays, man. He's one of the most physical, aggressive cornerbacks I can remember seeing a, a Chiefs you know, defense have. And, I mean, I don't know, man. He, he might be already one of the best uh, slot cornerbacks, I should say. Maybe just one of the best physical, aggressive tackling cornerbacks in the entire league right now i mean that, and that was a showcase yesterday i mean he was all over the field stags it was crazy yeah and the beauty of it is the chiefs have had some aggressive corners in the past they were handsy guys that weren't fast enough uh, to make plays and they got called for right? a lot of flags because of it right and and they would still get beat sneed is out there making plays and he's got the speed and quickness to back up uh you know the, the work that his, his hands are doing right so it, 
that's what's impressive to me about Snead is instincts, recognition, closing speed, and then how sound he is at wrapping guys up uh, short of the sticks behind the line of scrimmage. He's second on this team in tackles for loss behind only Nick Bolton uh, this year. Um, he is playing at an all pro level. And, you know, frankly, he's a big part uh, of this turnaround. Now the other turnaround, the complimentary part, right. Is, is the pass rush is finally showing up. There you go. Professional transition from stags right there. Uh, <laughs> look at Chris Jones, man. I mean, we thought we, we, we thought we might have seen the best of Chris Jones. And in my opinion, that might have been his best game, the best game of his entire career. Um, just how, I mean, he's beaten Zach Martin. I mean, literally, that's the, the gold standard for guards in the entire NFL. And, and he, you know, I, it wasn't every time. Actually, I did notice there was one play where, where Martin actually pancaked him pretty good uh, on a pass protection. But just, just the fact that Chris Jones now all of a sudden at defensive tackle more. Is, is just playing like he always has been at defensive tackle and all pro. I mean, he, he's always been one of the best defensive tackle just in, for, in, in terms of penetrating the pocket or just in the run game, kind of, you know, screwing up a running back's path. Sometimes that allows big plays to happen, but I think you, I think you take the, the, the benefits of doing that um, with the cons of doing that. But the other part of the pass rush too, and the reason Jones was able to clean up, he should have, it should be four sacks. I, he mentioned that in the post-game press conference, uh, that that half sack to Jaron Reed might is a little cheap. I, I don't know if Reed deserves that, but shout out Reed. Shout out Reed. He has been playing well. Um, but it's Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram allowing Chris Jones to clean up what they're doing. They're collapsing the edges of the pocket, make forcing Dak Prescott to kind of step up to where Jones is is winning, and it's just all coming together so well. I mean, this pass rush, man. I mean, the, and the thing is, they're situate. They're doing it situationally. Jones. Finished the game, the, the last three drives, the first two of those were sacks on third down to force a punt, and the last one was a tip pass to, to get Snead that interception. So, I mean, Jones is, is is doing it situationally, and, I mean, that was, in my opinion, like I said, the best game of his entire career, and, and that's a that's a scary thing for the rest of the NFL that Jones might be still playing at his, you know, at the best of, you know, in his prime at, at this point. I threw this out there on an article on arrowheadpride.com, but – you remember how we talked about Patrick Mahomes, his season started to turn around with that last drive against Green Bay. Two passes, uh, one to Kelsey, one to Hill to, to clinch that game. That was really the point where we said, and a lot of people said, his season's going to take off from here. That was the catalyst. That's That was um, the turning point, the inflection point. And then you see Chris Jones last week, he closed out that Raiders game uh, with, what, two consecutive batted passes uh, to finish off that final drive. And I threw this out there, not that Jones has been bad up to this point, uh, but you feel like he's starting to turn a corner and, and look like a man possessed like he did in the preseason. Preseason, we we called you know for a potential defensive player of the year type season out of Chris Jones. It hasn't come to fruition up until this point. I think that wrist injury was a major issue, uh, more so than the position change. I think the wrist issue has been holding him back, but he's finally, I think, feeling better, and he he's got that focus, that look about him that uh, that again he's playing like a man possessed, like a man with his hair on fire in the middle, on the edge, wherever you put him on that defensive line, uh, he's coming. And this was a breakout type game, and and it could have been, it could be that we'll look back on that the end of that Raiders game as the point in which Chris Jones started playing like a defensive player of the year. Yeah. And that's, and you mentioned it with the wrist thing. I mean, that really has been the theme of the defensive line this year is just getting healthy. 
I mean, Frank Clark was not healthy the first few, few games when he did play the week two game, but obviously he didn't play for the first five, six weeks of the season. And, and now that he's, and as soon as he became healthy, as soon as he returned to the field as a healthy individual, what do you know? The defense plays better. And, and yeah, Chris, the same thing here. Now that, now the defense is playing better and better every week. Coincidentally, Chris Jones is probably getting healthier and healthier. That wrist at least is getting healthier and healthier every week. And obviously, you know, it, it, it we can't ignore the fact that, and how did the AFC allow this to happen? Melvin Ingram got traded to the Chiefs for a sixth-round pick, and now he's he's basically their – I mean, he's he's their third-best defensive lineman. I mean, it, it seems like it. I mean, I know Derek Naughty has been playing very well. Jared, Jaron Reed's been playing better. But in terms of being able to affect both the pass and the run, like Ingram has been able to this year so far with the Chiefs, I mean, how did the AFC allow this to happen, Stags? I, it, it, it actually is like – I, it's it's crazy. It's this is not Terrell Suggs in 2019. I mean, this is a legitimate starter, and as long as he stays healthy, man, like that, this pass rush all of a sudden could be one of the most dangerous in the entire league. Like, no one wants to go against this trio right now. Yeah, he's been great, and he's not filling up the box score yet. We haven't seen a lot of sacks out of him, but but man, he is he is making a difference, and and he's taken up uh, some attention from the offensive line, freeing up some guys, uh, but the. He's getting in the backfield, and he plays a lot stronger than I remember him. I, I've always thought of him as, you know, as a, a pass rusher. But uh, man, he has been really strong against the run and taking on blocks, getting off of blocks. He's just a pro, man. And I, I don't know, you know, the, you look at the Steelers' motivation for getting rid of him. Obviously, they were um, they were honoring his request and let, letting him uh, find a better situation for himself. And I think the early reports saying that they didn't want to trade him within the AFC, uh, but then they really basically had no no other option, or, or they had to take the best offer. You know, uh, their loss uh, the Chiefs gain. Yeah, no, and and the Steelers who are trying to be in the AFC playoff hunt, it is just still funny to me that they thought it was a good idea to trade him here. But you know, he's not he, he's not the only one. Uh, you know, making a huge impact, obviously. And the, and the thing with all that pass rush, you know, playing better is it allows Spags to obviously get more creative with what he wants to do. And I actually rewatched the game pretty extensively last night, um, took a lot of good notes on the defense, kind of what they were doing. And one thing I noticed quite a bit was I do not remember Spags trusting this defense to play as much man coverage as he trusted them to play yesterday. Even in the first half when CeeDee Lamb was there, they were they were constantly in man coverage and 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 even if they weren't blitzing they were just it was just and and they did blitz uh you know more than i they, i probably would have think and and spags was very bold about uh blitzing sometimes and it and it just worked out because i think he 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 was very random about it it wasn't just every third down it wasn't just every you know a pass rushing situation he'd blitz on rundowns and it, and it all added up to the defense just playing with confidence. And I think that's, I think that's one thing about this performance, how well they played all in man coverage, all, you know, with the pass rush playing well, obviously too, you know, Spags trusting them all to do that because that's trust, man. If you're playing man coverage against an offense like this, you're trusting guys to cover really good players. And we know the Cowboys have really good players and they stepped up to the, the task. And what that does is, is going forward. This defense is like, is, is confident in their abilities because they know that their de- their coordinator trusts them against the best offense in the entire NFL, which the Cowboys were absolutely were. They were number one in points, number one in total yards coming into this game. To trust them to play a lot of man coverage, a lot of press man, where you you know you are a little vulnerable to that that big play. 
But how many times did that big play not happen because of good coverage? I mean, we're talking about Traverius Ward's interception in the end zone. Uh, you know, Traverius Ward also had another pass breakup, uh, uh, you know, uh, later in the game. Tyron Matthew had, a, you know, had great coverage on Dalton Schultz down the field. You know, it, it was it was really my, the theme of the defensive day to me in terms of like the nitty gritty of the X's and O's was that Spags really trusted his defense to to man up and play man to man against against really good weapons. And like I, I just not only did it work out for this game, but I feel like just trusting them to do that. It's just going to make them even more confident. And defense is all about confidence, right? And and they're going to be so confident moving forward into where they're not going to be playing offenses like this every week. So it's going to be it, it's it, it's very exciting right now. The, the Chiefs' defense. I mean, I they're really playing well, man. I mean, it's it's almost just you can't. There's not enough words to say how well they're playing right now. You know, we talk about the chess match that that coordinators are playing every week, and it's nice to see what based on what you were just saying, I think Steve Spagnuolo being the aggressor in the chess match and in, in being yeah. the less predictable player, right? So they're coming in, you look at the stats, you look at um, the scouting report on the Dallas Cowboys, and you know that Prescott's great against the Blitz, uh, that they've got man beaters, that they've got a great running game, and you know teams have played them a certain way. And there was this report, this teasing report from the NFL Network that said that the Chiefs defensive coaches were going to empty the bag this week and and let it all hang out against the Cowboys, had a really aggressive game plan. And I, I like that they went against the grain a little bit. And you're right, it shows confidence in their players, but it also you know, is being a little bit less predictable. And I think teams that have been successful against the Chiefs offense this year have played them differently than what the Chiefs would have expected. You know, you've had those, you know, cover three teams that play a lot of cover two. You've had the cover one team last week, right? That that played uh, that played them a little bit differently than what what they had in the past. And sometimes that throws this offense off a little bit. I really like that they weren't just sitting back and saying we're going to do we're going to do what we want to do. Uh, but they had a plan in place. They executed it. And again guys were executing and the guys were playing with their hair on fire. And, and that combination of the unpredictability of the, of the play call and, you know, the complementary nature of the pass rush and the way the secondary was playing uh, leads to a really good result. And, and it should seem obvious maybe going forward, but, you know, don't be predictable and, and play complementary football and you're going to win a lot of games. And that is what they've had done in the last four weeks. They've won four straight games. And in that stretch, some stats for you 11.8 points per game which would be by far the, the least amount uh, per game in the league uh, over the entire season this year and about 290 yards per game allowed which would be the third lowest rate among NFL teams this year in that four game stretch I mean statistics are telling you that they're playing at one of the highest levels in the entire league right now and you know hey it was okay to question it after you beat you know uh, Jordan Love and Daniel Jones Derek Carr, and I know Derek Carr didn't look great against the Bengals yesterday either, but Derek Carr and Dak Prescott were legitimate MVP candidates at, at some time this year. Both, you know, both maybe not at the same time. Carr obviously wasn't at this point. I think Prescott going into this game was absolutely one of the top MVP candidates. Go, doing what they did against those two guys, I mean, that's it's not a fluke. It, it, it's not anymore. And, and that's why, Stags, let's talk about this. Is this for sure the best defense in the Spagnuolo era? Because I think it's better than the 2019 defense. And that 2019 defense was very, very good down the stretch. You know, 
definitely helped, you know, the team win the Super Bowl. I mean, it was not just the offense, obviously. I mean, anyone who watched that team, the defense was a huge part of that of that team winning a Super Bowl. And if this defense is even better, I mean, it's 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 very exciting. What do you think about that? Do you think do you have a declaration on that? Do you have a bold take on that? So that was the take we had prior to the season. And yes. it hadn't panned out that way until these last four weeks. But if you just look objectively at the talent on this team and you say, if they play up to expectations, what are you getting? You're getting a number of guys that can rush the passer. You've got, a, you've got young, more athletic players on the second level, and you've got secondary players that are versatile and fast and can get after it and, and that can tackle. And you think, where's the weakness on that defense? We thought this was going to be the deepest defense that the Chiefs have had so far. And I thought in a lot of ways it was going to be the best. Again, it didn't pan out early in the season. That's why it was so frustrating to hear all the talk about how this was historically bad. This is the worst defense anybody's ever seen early on in this season when they played the best rushing teams in football. And Lamar Jackson, who, who racked up 100 yards in the A and B gaps, I think, against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden now we're seeing them play like we thought they could. And, and that level uh, is a very high level. It's a very fun defense to watch. It's an athletic group. And, and you've got playmakers on each level of the defense. That's what else can you ask for? I mean, you look at just the stats from the Cowboys game. Again, this is not an offense that you expected to hold down, uh, but they gave up 82 yards rushing to a team with Ezekiel Elliott and, and Pollard, who are both fantastic running backs. Uh, of those 82 yards, you pointed out Pollard had 31 on that one really well-designed uh, Wildcat-type play. Um, so this run defense is, is playing lights out. Well, usually in the Chiefs' defense in the past, when the run defense was good, the pass defense was terrible and vice versa. Um, but they held Dak Prescott to 216 yards passing, no touchdowns, and picked him off twice. So, yes, I, I think they're playing now at their level of expectation, and they're still young enough that they can get better from here. And that's probably what's most exciting about all of this is Willie Gay is only getting better. Legereus Sneed is getting better. Um, you know, you've got a lot of youth uh, on this defense. Nick Bolton has is, is been progressively better and, and really, you know, starting to justify his, his level of draft pick. There's a lot to be excited about on this defense. This does look like this snapshot, this point in time, this looks like a championship defense to me. I'm glad you brought up Willie, Willie Gay, um, because he did have a very impactful game, in my opinion. Uh, you know, that the, the play that stands out is him flying to the flat to uh, pass to Zeke uh, on third and short and, and making that tackle. I mean, that's what the line, the Chiefs linebackers, especially in 2019, I mean, that is exactly what they lacked. I mean, and you saw it in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. 49ers were attacking the, the you know, each side, you know, the, the, the wide parts of the field in terms of reverses, in terms of just off tackle runs, you know, jet sweeps. You know, they knew the Chiefs linebackers were too slow to get to the sideline, you know, use that sideline to sideline range. Man, Willie Gay is, is is allowing them to have that athleticism that just gives them another, you know, advantage on, on the defense, another way an offense can't attack them like they maybe could have in 2019. And I, I, I do want to mention, though, on Gay is, is, is he – it seems like he's he is kind of getting better and better in pass coverage too in terms of reading a route and jumping it. Man, and on the rewatch, I did not notice this at the game, but – 
he almost had a pick six. He almost jumped in front of Dalton Schultz, and the ball was just a little too far away from from where he was. And you could tell how mad he was. He knew he had it. Man, that what a what a play that would have been if he would have had another, you know, where he just jumps a route like he kind of had against the Giants. But that would have been a pick six, and and he's just that close. I mean, he is a really good playmaker, and that's just just another reason why, man, this defense, I it, it is exciting right now, and it, and it, I really do believe it's the best in the Spags era. I mean, really, the the complementary nature of those two linebackers, you see the plan coming into play, right? Like again, when things were going bad, everybody was questioning. You know why? Why do you draft Nick Bolton? Why do you? Uh, uh, why do you spend back-to-back picks on linebackers and then still, you know, look terrible at that level? Uh, well, all of a sudden now you're seeing when they're playing up to expectations, you've got Willie Gay flying around the field making plays, and you've got Nick Bolton who's just literally in the backfield on every running down. And and so the the way that those two guys play together, the way they're starting to anticipate. And, and get to their gaps and, and, and make plays on the football, I think is, is a really, really good sign for this defense for a long time to come. Yeah, and, and I'd be remiss to not shout out Tyron Matthew, who had a great game. And, you know, that kind of scared me. Uh, you know, obviously, apparently he woke up Sunday morning with, with uh, inflammation in his knee or swelling in his knee, and obviously he was questionable to play all of a sudden. I mean, that would have been a very – impactful miss i mean if you're talking about putting Sorensen all of a sudden in 100 of the snaps again whoo man that's a that's a that's a bullet dodged um for sure and and he didn't look like he was injured i mean he played very well i mean had a few really good open field tackles was kind of just in that same zone where he always is where he's just kind of there to make the play and he doesn't miss the play a lot yeah um, he funnels things to everybody else too and i, and I think you know the, it's a really people sort of roll their eyes when you talk about leadership and intangibles right. and, and, you know, uh, um, what he brings to the field from an emotional standpoint. But when your leader shows up injured, fights through it, plays his ass off and, you know, enables everybody around him to make plays. Um, I think that that just speaks volume for his value to this team. And, and, and again, hopefully this is a long-term deal for him uh, coming up, but, Tell you what, this is probably a good place to take a quick break. We'll hear from our sponsors real quick. And we've got several really good questions from you all here on the Out of Structure podcast. So stay with us. We'll come right back, get to your questions from Twitter, uh, talking about a, a good Chiefs victory and a nice win streak that they're on right now. So stick with us. We'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into the Out of Structure podcast. Thank you for joining us on another Victory Monday, a fourth consecutive Victory Monday. They were kind of scarce at the beginning of the year, but all of a sudden we're, uh, we're piling them up. So it's, it's fun to talk about a win, especially this one against the Cowboys. And you guys were enjoying it too. You guys gave us some good questions to, uh, to, to dissect and get into. And this first one is from Mike's Two Start on Twitter, at Mike's Two Start. It seemed that the offense tended to bog down when they got around the 40. The drops don't help, but what were the Cowboys doing that caused so much confusion or whatever? 
The whole game felt like the Chiefs were on the verge of a blowout. That just never came. Yeah, yeah. it did really feel it did really feel like that, didn't it, Stags? <laughs> Absolutely. I felt the same way. Uh, it felt like the Chiefs were in control of this game and you know, one or two big plays away from just burying the Cowboys pretty much the whole game. And you're right. There was some of those drives that just stalled out uh, just when they crossed into uh, Cowboys territory. Um, obviously, we had a missed field goal uh, that we saw there. There was a couple of penalties. I do think drops are still an issue. And you saw it from, from everybody. But notably, Travis Kelsey drops one that goes right into the hands of a defender. Like, apparently, every drop does this season. Uh, <laughs> and Mahomes gets blamed for it. And then, you know, McColl dropped one. Uh, and Josh Gordon uh, dropped one of his two targets. So, you know, the, the drops are an issue, and that's a hard thing for teams to overcome. I pointed that out. This team specifically has always seemed to struggle overcoming drops. I was glad to see that they didn't, you know, let it derail the game. They, they continue to, to stay after it. But, but yeah, I mean, there were some missed opportunities there. There were some good drives, especially later in the game. You had a, a chance to really put the game away with that 11-play drive in the fourth quarter. They ended up having to punt there. Uh, they missed the field goal in the, in the drive before that, which is a seven-play drive. Uh, settled for a field goal drive before that, another seven plays. Um, you know, there was that, again, that drop that turned into an interception, another seven-play drive. So they were putting drives together, you know, these seven, seven, eight, nine-play drives, ten-play drives. And, you know, when they finish them off with a touchdown, this offense is absolutely dominant when they – when they, you know, stall out or when they punt or when they turn the ball over and they have drops, obviously that lets a team hang around. And a team like Dallas um, is not one that you normally want to let hang around. No, absolutely not. And that was kind of the worrisome thing, especially after that Kelsey drop you mentioned. But another play, too, you mentioned overcoming stuff and kind of not letting it, you know, um, eat at them or, you know, just just impact them. Uh, Ward actually saved the day because he had his interception came right after this play, you know, Mahomes gets sacked by Micah Parsons, who, by the way, we got to take a second to say, I mean, that dude is a stud. I mean, that guy is going to be one of the best defensive players in the NFL for for a little bit. I mean, I don't know. I, I he is ex- he is another level of explosive as a linebacker. I know he, he was playing mostly edge rusher yesterday, but he's only going to get better as a linebacker. He already has the edge rushing capabilities. That guy is going to be an awesome player. So anyway, <laughs> he sacks yeah. Mahomes. Go ahead. What did he have? Eleven pressures? Is that what you said? Like that? He was a he was an absolute monster there. Yeah, no, you're. I, I don't know the exact number, but it was something historical. Like it was something ridiculous. Um, it was like a quarter of his snaps or something. Um, I think that was the case. But yeah, that that I, I was in the building, and and that strip sack where he he you know he beats Wiley and and Mahomes. You can tell Mahomes feels him and moves to the left to avoid him. But then he's just he just underestimates, I guess, how fast Parsons is, how how quick Parsons is going to get to him. Because I mean, that's just you can't if you know there's pressure coming. I I don't know why he didn't tuck the ball or just at least get rid of it pretty quickly. Anyway, that moment, the momentum from that play. I mean, like I said, there were a lot of Cowboys fans there, and man, it was it was they were bumping. I mean, the team was bumping. I mean, that was a huge play. That could have been a huge momentum play. The Cowboys got the ball in the Chiefs territory before halftime. Could have made it a one-score game before halftime, but then the defense picks him up. Ward gets the interception. It's like it never happened. So that's 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 what you're talking about overcoming those kind of things. We weren't seeing that at the beginning of the year. Turnovers were were derailing this team entirely, and and yesterday they did not. It was nice. 
Yeah, when you have a bad play, if you don't allow it to snowball, then it could just be that. It could just be a bad play, and you can move on. Uh, and, and I think the Chief, Chiefs did a good job of that yesterday. So looking through some other questions here, if you, you want to go back to the defense a little bit, um, so Carmelo uh, on Twitter, uh, defense good. Uh, and then <laughs> LBJ 2024, like I said, says, I'd say it's a top 10 defense the last four weeks, top three yesterday. Uh, I, I think the stats you were just looking at tend to confirm that, right? Yes, and I do want to take this opportunity to uh, not call anybody out. No one's getting called out, but just I just remember getting a few questions about Spagnolo and his candidacy, or you know his his the the temperature of his seat, I should say. And um, I got to say, I, I'm sure it's ice cold right now, and it should be, and it always was, in my opinion. It, it, it was never Spagnuolo's fault, and I, and I get it. Hey, I get it. There are some decisions he made in terms of Sorensen starting, in terms of Jones being defensive end, in terms of you know maybe not playing Bolton as much, although Bolton's been playing well all year and a lot all year. All that to say, you saw it yesterday why it is so good to have a guy like Steve Spagnuolo. We already talked about the blitzing kind of thing. He also made a few other adjustments um, that I found interesting uh, just from my rewatch. And you know this could be not just a single-game thing, but I, I think this one was – so in the red zone, they brought Sorensen in for Thornhill and had Sorensen kind of man up at the line of scrimmage with Dalton Schultz, not let him get a free release instead of just having Thornhill, maybe even if he was in man coverage, kind of play over him from a safety depth. They had Sorensen. It looked like he was that linebacker. I thought for a second, I was like, oh, they have Sorensen playing Sam linebacker. But then you realize they have the other three guys and and they're, you know, Matthew's the only deep safety. Um, so I thought that was an interesting wrinkle. That just kind of shows you how confident Spags was in his players and the man coverage. I mean, after the um, last couple of weeks when you saw Sorensen get beat uh, uh, on those little routes uh, right next to the end zone, that, that's exactly what you want to see is Sorensen in coverage um, <laughs> in the red zone. I mean, that's, no. <laughs> that, that's brilliant. I, that's He's playing chess when we're playing checkers here. You know? <laughs> no, and, and it was kind of a funny, you know, people poke fun at Spags for saying, I don't like giving up on a guy. You know, he said that about Dan after the interception last week, which, you know, it's not like Dan made some great play to make that interception um, and Spags acting like, you know, he was redeeming himself a little bit. But that goes to my earlier point that he did have confidence in his team and he allowed Sorensen. He had confidence in Sorensen to at least disrupt Dalton Schultz throughout in the red zone and not allow him to be a threat. And he wasn't a threat in the red zone. A lot of his plays came in the middle of the field. Another little thing I noticed, too, which I think he's been doing this all year, maybe, but I thought it was, I thought it's, a, I think it's a cool wrinkle. He will bring in the reserve defensive lineman on first down of a drive and kind of let them eat up that run snap. But then on second down, that's when you'll see, you know, Clark, Jones, Ingram come in. And I think what that does is it just gives them that one little snap, you know, one little, you know, where they don't have to, you know, waste energy, waste, waste breath on that first down run, run play. Cause they know, you know, especially against team like Cowboys who are probably going to run a lot on first down. It, it allows them to be that much more juice, that much more energetic for second and third down when it could be more of a passing situation. I think Spags is, is really dealing. He's, he's, he's playing chess right now. As you mentioned, he's, he's the chess master right now. And I think he's a huge, I think the players playing better is obviously, I think the biggest reason why there's a turnaround right now, but I think Spags, first of all, swallowing the pill, saying, hey, I, I, I made some wrong decisions, you know, benching certain players and moving certain players around. But also just his in-game play, play calling right now, his in-game management right now is top-tier elite, and that is a huge reason why the Chiefs defense has turned it around. Got to give props to Spags. Got to give props. Yeah, I mean, how much of it is just this, this team starting to gel, get healthy, 
you know, learn yeah. how to play off of each other uh, and the young guys developing as the season goes along. You don't you never know how much of it is the coach and how much of it's the players and how much of it's the play call and how much of it's the execution. We did get another question. Uh, Jeremiah Sorensen at Lack 2 on Twitter. Uh, why are Neiman, why is Neiman and Sorensen playing more than Hitchens and Bolton? Why is Neiman on the field, Gay on the sidelines? Why is Watts not getting a chance to replace Sorensen? Uh, it eventually happened, but uh, he's still questioning Spags' talent evaluation. But if you look at the the snap counts and you look at the way that the, the team is lining up, I, I think I don't think they're backsliding on those decisions that you were just talking about. They're your, your starter is still Juan Thornhill. Dan Sorensen is still a role player. They're yeah. shuffling up what that role is, but Sorensen played 49% of the snaps yesterday. Uh, you know, it's not like he's taken Juan Thornhill's 94%. Okay, so there, that's a big difference. And then you talk about Neiman and, uh, versus versus Gay. Um, Willie Gay played 57%, Neiman 42 uh, Hitchens and Bolton both 39 and 28% respectively. So – a lot of it is is got to be based on matchups, right? Yes. No. That that's the other thing. The interesting part about their linebacker rotation right now, what Spags is doing, is he is mixing and matching which duo he is mixing and matching which duo he he wants in the game and nickel packages when there are two linebackers on the field. Base, it's always going to be those three linebackers: Gay, Hitchens, and Bolton. And that's the thing. He, he he's made the correction to take Neiman off the field in those situations. I just think. For whatever reason, Neiman has been the dime linebacker for the for three years. And okay, so dime there, there's a dime package. It's six defensive backs. That's what dime means. And no matter no matter what situation they're playing the dime in, it it has the same players in it. That's just how Spags rolls. And and Neiman and Sorensen are the two dime backers in those situations. Now I will say in the red zone, I saw I noticed that they did put Hitchens in for Neiman as the as the, the dime backer in the red zone, maybe just to give him a little more run defense. Uh, you know, when, when they go dime in the red zone, although I don't know how much you should be going six defensive backs in the red zone. All that to say, it's not necessarily about them playing over one another. He is mixing and matching right now to get the best combo on the field for each certain situation, depending on pass, depending on what the run situation is. But for whatever reason, he just trusts Neiman to play dime. So whenever they are in dime, it is Ben Neiman. And like I said, Hitchens was in the red zone for a few plays, but it, it that's how it is right now. I think in the future, we'll see maybe Willie Gay take that role. But maybe that's an off-season thing. Maybe that's not something they'll do in the middle of the season. I, you just have to get used to the fact that when they are in dime, when they want to do that stuff where – and the dime's a lot of the stuff they do on third down. Unfortunately, that means Neiman's on the field. Hey, but sometimes he's blitzing. And, and again, I'm going to put in my plug for if, if those guys are on the field, Sorensen or Neiman, as long as they're blitzing, I'm perfectly fine with them being on the field. Uh, <laughs> moving on to uh, – back to Chris Jones real quick. Uh, uh, Black Elf 19, Little Boa 6624 on Twitter. Chris Jones, over under 10 sacks. He's only done it once in his career. I think as long as he plays more inside, he can easily hit that. Go Chiefs. Good question here on the over under. Uh, 10 sacks for Chris Jones. What do you think? He he needs three and a half to get to 10. And three and a half over six games. Say it again. Good math. I like that. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were saying I had bad math. I was like, wait a second. Um, I thought I got that right. Um, yeah, so he only needs three and a half over six games. And so he just got three and a half in one game. Uh, so so by that logic. He's, he's going to hear it next week. All right. We've exactly. He's on pace now. No, he, no I, I think it's 10. It's a given at this point. There's, there's a, 
really no question as long as he's on the field that, that he's going to get to 10 this year. It's just can he get back up in the you know 15 range again uh, like we had hoped he would this season. Um, you know, arrows are pointing up right now, and, and uh, time will tell where, where he hits there. But, man, just overall seeing this pass rush getting after it again uh, is, uh, uh, is encouraging. And as long as there's other threats on the field and Chris Jones is healthy, um, you know, I don't think 15 is out of the question still. Yeah, and one thing when we're talking about comparing it to the 2019 defense that I neglected to mention that I wanted to point out was that, you know, Frank Clark looked, played very well in 2019 down that stretch. I mean, that's the best we've seen him in a Chiefs uniform until right now. Um, I think Frank Clark is playing a lot better right now. I just think overall, just his explosiveness, he looks healthier than he ever has been in a Chiefs uniform. Um, I, I think that's a huge difference maker too. And Chris Jones was so good that season anyway. If he has a, a the Frank Clark that we're seeing right now consistently play like that over the next stretch too, I mean, that's just going to make it easier for Jones to clean up because, as I mentioned before, a lot of times Clark is flying around that edge so fast that the quarterback has to step up. And if Jones is on that same side where he's kind of stepping into, yeah, that guard better be holding up or, or Jones is cleaning up that sack. And I, that happened a few times on, on Sunday as, as, as the defensive ends kind of allowed Jones to clean up with the sack. It was It's complimentary football, man. Well, Ed Jake for now asks, are the Chiefs peaking at the right time? So it looks like Chris Jones peaked this this uh, this game, or, or potentially. Um, so I was saying earlier that was sort of my joke for when the team was down earlier in the season. It's like, oh, they're just everybody else is peaking too early, and the Chiefs are just taking their time. You know, they're, they're going to peak. They're going to peak later in the season. Um, are they peaking at the right time now, or is it too early, or is it too late? See, that's a really good question because when I think about peaking, I mean that, that's the thing, like there's confidence being built right now that if the team is all the, if the unit stays all together and it's the same players down the stretch, like there's no reason why them playing good right now would make them not play good later. But what does scare me a little bit. And we, and we just saw it cornerback Rashad Fenton, uh, you know, going out with an injury, man, this team, you know, early in the season, they had a lot of bad injury luck. They're getting healthy and now they're all healthy together, but you know, all it takes is, this team isn't very deep on defense, I should say. So all it takes is kind of one impactful injury. I'm I'm knocking on wood as I say it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to, not trying to jinx anything. But that's what I think about peaking is, you know, if everyone's together, I guess everyone's healthy together and look, you know, a little bit. You know, this team is healthy, kind of, you know, a little earlier than I'd like them to be. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Well, a little, maybe scary. I guess the one thing you can say is that the defense. You know, you can't expect the defense to play too much better than what they did on Sunday. Uh, but the offense still has a, a ways to go until they're, they're you know, at full speed. So the overall team, if you're hitting on all cylinders, I'd say last week they were pretty close to that. Uh, this week the offense, you know, was a little slow, a little sluggish maybe in, in, in certain spots. So um, I still think there's more upside to this team, I guess is what I'm getting at is, when you say peak, you know, obviously it's all downhill from there. Uh, I don't see that. I see them trending upward at this point. And, and again, unless and until something else uh, were to derail them. No, that's, that, real quick, that's a good point, though, because I was I, honestly, for some reason, I was just thinking defensively um, on offense. Yes. I mean, they have a lot more room to grow, too. And even if the defense comes down just a little bit, maybe not as dominant as they're playing right now, the offense should be able to make up for it by playing better than they are. So that's a good point. 
Speaking of the offense, uh, Steve Williams at Stevie Williams on Twitter asks, why can't Andy and EB just consistently power run the football? The offensive line is built for it, and it would open it up so much. I thought we saw some good signs from that uh, unit and from the run game against the Cowboys, but um, you know they can still do more, right? Yes. For whatever reason, they just don't really want to run the gap stuff, the downhill stuff with Clyde. Or at least it seemed like that in the in the Cowboys game. Maybe that you know changes moving forward. It really seems like Daryl's the one that gets the when you know Trey Smith's pulling and, and someone's leading him through the hole. Those are it seems to always be Daryl in those plays. I'd like to see Clyde on those plays because um, I think Clyde is better in the open field and and those gap runs are designed to get running backs in the open field and he. I just think obviously he's better than, than Daryl and those situations, you know, making a guy miss at the second level, you know, he may not have the explosive long speed, but he's still going to get more yards than Daryl on a, on an average play, in my opinion, on those kind of runs. So yeah, I, I still think they could do a lot better running. I still think that not in terms of like, I guess they did well efficiency running wise yesterday, but just in terms of, tr- you know, trusting their run game on early downs, kind of just pounding the rock a little more um, with Clyde in those gap runs. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it a little more. Yeah, they need it. Again, I'm going to go back to this theme of being predictable. They need to, to do it in such a way that it's not telegraphed and that it keeps things, uh, keeps defensive honest, keeps yeah. defensive honest and keeps them guessing a little bit because they can effectively move the ball. They can win on short yardage, which is, you know, something that we haven't seen in previous versions of the Chiefs team. You know, um, I think there's a there's another question here um, about the running backs. Uh, Porky the big bull at porky pig 78 on twitter can we please rotate all three running backs and give more available options and i I think i think you're starting to see some of that rotation uh shift now that clyde is healthy again you had people questioning when he was out whether they really needed him or not or whether daryl was somehow better um i don't think it's a question of better or worse uh well frankly i think clyde is the better running back overall but i think Clyde, Daryl, um, you know, and and McKinnon all bring something different to this team. And I agree with Porky here. I would like to see him rotate all three of those guys, use them in different situations, mix them up, get more than one of them on the field at the time. Uh, at a time sometimes, you know, I think there's different elements to the game for each of those guys. I thought Clyde looked like he had a, a better burst. Um, he definitely doesn't go down on first contact. Uh, he looked. I thought he looked really spry in his return. Uh, and he looked good in the past game, which they still haven't used him to the full extent, but he had a couple of receptions where he looked good. Obviously, Daryl last week had a monster uh, pass game game, uh, but his his average, his yards per carry running the ball is clearly never going to be better or even in the same ballpark as Clyde. So I think you do have complementary players there, and it takes a, a stable of running backs. You can't just rely on one guy in this in this NFL. Yeah, unfortunately, it looked like Jarek McKinnon did get hurt. Um, I don't know how serious it was, but he had to leave the game yesterday. So, yeah, he's he's had an injury history. So hopefully, you know, the bye week kind of lets him heal. Um, the the thing though, you mentioned kind of Clyde, maybe getting a little more pass game. Um, I did notice, and it was just one play, but it was kind of a lack of awareness one time on Clyde's part. He was a check down. Mahomes checked it down to him, and as soon as he caught it, he was out of bounds pretty much. Um, that's kind of just maybe a feel thing, maybe just him getting back into the rhythm of the offense. 
but that is a mistake on Clyde's part. I mean, that's, you know, it, he, you can't just run it. You know, you have to stay and you know, you, you never know what Mahomes is going to check it down to. It's not his fault that it came a little late while you, and, and you happen to be closer to the sideline. You kind of have to be spatially aware and keep yourself in bounds and, and, and turn that play into a, you know, a, a reasonable gain. Um, so that, that just kind of shows you that there is still maybe a little rust with Clyde. I also noticed maybe some, some times in the run game where he, he could have just hit a hole, maybe a little more downhill or maybe just a little more, um, just just right now instead of kind of maybe hesitating a little bit. He's so good at kind of finding those lanes in, in the box, but I do think sometimes it makes it even harder on himself, you know, kind of shifting through stuff where he could just hit it straight maybe a little more. So I think it's that, I think that's just Russ, though. I, I don't think that's like – I think that was just him playing his first game in a month or whatever, and and he'll, he'll you know, he'll get better as he goes. He'll get better with the more snaps he gets. That's how running backs go. I mean, they have to kind of get into a rhythm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's still averaged 5.3 a carry, had a touchdown – um, again, had a couple of re- receptions uh, that, that were pretty smooth. So it's, it's good to see him back and good to see that rotation. Uh, speaking of guys that may be rusty, uh, C. Bolt uh, at Leo and a whole bunch of letters and numbers that I'm not going to read on Twitter. Um, should we get rid of Go- Josh Gordon or do we give him more time? Uh, a little conversation back and forth on Twitter here. Uh, Stevie Williams points out, yeah, he's had a couple drops, but he's been out of the game for a couple of years. Uh, we would like to see him early in the game with some scripted plays to get him more comfortable. We've been calling for this for weeks. I don't know why they haven't been able to isolate Gordon uh, on some easy plays where he's just schemed open and they just force feed him the ball just to get him involved in the play. But, you know, I said it last week, I think we're probably getting close to that point where he just might not ever pan out as a productive player for this offense. Uh, I think I'm willing to give him at least until after the bye, but you know, there's there haven't been as many positive signs from Josh Gordon's game so far that I've seen. Yeah, well, they they did try to get him the ball. That's the thing. His first target was a designed, you know, it was kind of a rub route a little bit. The outside receiver was kind of trying to get in the way of his his man and and allow him to get open on the you know on you know breaking towards the sideline. You know, uh, the cornerback didn't really get rubbed too bad, and he probably would have just tackled him right away if Gordon catches it and, and probably doesn't get a first down. But Gordon drops it. I mean, that's that should be a catch. Um, kind of just, I don't know if the alligator armed it. It looked like kind of just a clean drop. But then later in the game, it, it was after Trey Smith's penalty, second and 30. They just happened to design a five-yard out for him, too. So I, I, they did do a better job at targeting him and trying to get him involved flat out. He just didn't take advantage of the first one. That would have been a huge play because, you know, there is a chance he breaks that tackle if he catches it and the cornerback's on him because he is a big dude. He's a hard dude to bring down. So he, he kind of just... This time it was kind of more on him that he didn't get an impact more than it was on the coaches or anything. I, th- I think it's a um, it's a slow progression here because it's clear that he hasn't quite found the spacing, uh, the route combinations in in the way that you would expect uh, from receivers in this offense. Um, there's I've seen m- way too many times where he's right next to another receiver, which is clearly not the design of the play. Right. And then. There's a he also maybe hasn't uh, quite gotten on the same page with Mahomes whenever he starts to scramble, you know, again, how to find the open spot, when to look for the ball, that sort of thing. So I, those those sort of things can come with time. The fact that he's not separating to the extent that you'd like and the fact that he hasn't caught the ball particularly well, that's way more concerning to me uh, because, you know, that if, if he's not able to separate anymore, if maybe he's lost a step of quickness, uh, you know, at 31 years old or whatever he is, then, you know, that's not something he's going to get back by playing more. 
they've given him a lot of snaps, not a lot of targets yet. Andy Reid spoke about him this last week. They're still optimistic. Uh, I say we give him a couple more weeks and see what happens. A couple of quick fun questions before we get, get out of here. Uh, Christian Gumminger asked, does Nick Allegretti take over Marcus Kemp's gunner job? Uh, he's referring to that uh, fun play, that, that pooched uh, punt from uh, Harrison Butker that Nick, Nick Allegretti made it down there and down the football. Um, you know, good to see that guy out there and running. He hasn't got as much play on the offensive line this year as he did last year. So uh, he's doing work on special teams. <clears throat> yeah, I love that uh, play call, by the way, too, because they actually kicked the field goal uh, before that. It was like a 50-yarder that Bucker missed, and I actually hated kicking that field goal. Um, I don't see – you know, you're only going up 10 to th- – you know, you're going up 13 instead of 10. It's still a two-possession game, and, you know, you might as well just go for it on fourth and two. And so I was I, I was a little annoyed with their field goal attempt again because if he misses it, they get ball there. Even if he makes it, they get ball at the 25. Perfect play call. Pooch that. Perfect punt. I mean, that was a great punt. I mean, it, it, it bounced out of two and didn't go in. So uh, great all-around special teams play. That was exactly, you know, that that's what two, that's why we have Tobe. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I always hate the pooch punt. I, I don't get the point of that. You know, it, either punt it or, or, or kick it or go for it. Like, I, I don't know what trickeration you're expecting there. You think they have a better chance of downing that punt inside the two than, than a, a, than a uh, Tommy Townsend punt. Um, I don't know. It, it worked. And it was great, and it was a fun play from Allegretti, but I always hate uh, the, the kicker punts. I don't have to disagree. I, I That's why you have Tobe, man. That's just a great design and a great execution. So hey, it, worked, it worked this time, but I, like you said, I, I'd rather see him go for it um, on fourth down or, yeah, or, of course. or take the field goal if you have the, if you have the option. All right. Um, KS Chaser, uh, Chasing Toxic Chiefs Defensive Plays. That's a – quite the Twitter name. Uh, did the chiefs figure out the Cowboys and his Dak broken? So this is what we heard about the chiefs all through the seasons that they'd been figured out and the homes was broken. Uh, can, should we say the same thing about the Cowboys now? Uh, no. And, and I haven't listened to any of the national media today, but I am going to be, it's going to be annoying if it's all about the Cowboys not looking good and not the chiefs defense. Um, I, that is going to tick me off a little bit, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, Maybe they will praise the Chiefs. Who knows? But no, this has got to be all praise to the Chiefs. I, I would, yeah, praise the up Chiefs to the Chiefs. A better team on this day, um, and that's what matters for you know in the league, not this uh, these narratives about who's broken and who's figured out. You know, we'll we'll save that for the end of the season. You can look back and create uh, an, a storyline for how the season went. But you know, I, I'm not buying that there's something wrong with the Cowboys just because the, the Chiefs defense uh, played them pretty much perfectly let's close on this question from john dwyer at john d 1401 on twitter who's the chiefs mvp at this point in the season and this is a deceptively difficult question to answer yes i i and and we're actually voting uh for this on airhead pride between the the team members we're going to be doing a mid-season uh you know vote and and have articles out about you know who won amongst a, a staff vote and uh you know, we get to see each other's votes, and I thought I was going to be bold and say Tyree Kill, but it seems like that's kind of the consensus. I guess I might be spoiling it. Sorry, people. Um, but <laughs> it's only one award, okay? There's there's plenty of awards. There's plenty of other awards. But yeah, I, I think it. I think Tyreek is the easy answer, honestly, because no matter how good the offense is played, no matter how good Mahomes is played, no matter how good anything else is going on, the run game, whatever, Tyreek has been the constant 
and he does have a few drops that have turned into interceptions. So, yeah, but uh, he has been the constant, you know, just, just a big play is waiting, you know, throw it to him three yards. He's turning into a first down. That happened a lot in the Cowboys game. He was, t- this was a vintage why Tiger kill might be considered the most dangerous weapon in the entire NFL. This, this Cowboys game, I, I I'd be remiss to not mention that. So, I think Tyreek is the team MVP, Stags. Do you have anyone different? Yeah, I do, because I think it depends on how you define the word MVP. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Tyreek Hill. He had another 110 total yard game this week. Uh, he was effective in the, in the passing uh, game, uh, in the short passes. You know, he's effective down the field. He's making people miss. He's coming up with big plays when they need him uh, as far as moving the chains and getting open. I think those are all underrated parts of his game. And he is – he is the guy, other than Travis Kelsey, that makes this offense tick. Um, but if, if Hill's not going well, then they're generally not playing well on offense. So I think that's, I think there's a good case to be made for Tyreek Hill there. I think he's probably been their best offensive player this season so far, um, and and he's among the most important. But to me, MVP is the guy that your team lives and dies by, uh, and that his play has the biggest influence on the outcome of the game. And there's nobody who has a bigger influence on the outcome of these games than Patrick Mahomes. When Mahomes turns the ball over and he was struggling, the team struggled. When Mahomes is efficient and, and playing well, the team wins, period. And, and so uh, he's still the MVP until proven otherwise, in, in my eyes, just because of his importance to this team and, and frankly, to the league. Um, everything's different when Mahomes – uh, plays well versus when Mahomes is not playing well. And, and I think, you know, early in the season, obviously he had his struggles. He's fought through those. The team's in a pretty good place now. Uh, he had a monster week last week to show that he can still put up the big numbers. This week, a little bit more uh, of an efficient performance, uh, you know, not as spectacular. Um, I think, obviously, the interception numbers are way up, but it has been historically – tragically ridiculous how many of those interceptions have been in the hands of chiefs receivers before they ended up in the defender's hands. So if you, if you strip all that down and you say who is the most indispensable player in the entire NFL is still Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, there's no argument there. Uh, yeah. I think if you're talking, if you're going by your definition, you know, the valuable, the, you know, the value of it and everything. I mean, I still think Mahomes is the MVP of the league. Um, Hey, there's an outside shot he still could do that this year too. I mean, no one else is stepping up to the plate as an MVP. If he has, if he goes on a tear during, down the end of the season, he could be the entire season's MVP. He absolutely could be. Well, look look for those articles on ArrowheadPride.com. There'll be a whole series with all different midseason slash bye week uh, awards. Some good reading for you heading into the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, we're gonna enjoy the bye week and enjoy the holiday. Hopefully, you all enjoy the time with your families. Uh, keep listening to all the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network shows. Rate and review wherever you do that. Uh, and tune in next time for more Out of Structure, more Victory Mondays coming soon. Uh, Ron, happy holidays, and we'll talk again soon. Happy Thanksgiving. Best holiday of the year.